Hey, there's a there's a tape recorder here. See what's on it. Legend has it that it was recorded by the Dark Ones. Necronomicon Diabolicus. Roughly translated, the Diabolical Podcast. It was recorded a few weeks ago, when the airwaves ran red, with spoilers for Evil Dead 2. Come on then, hurry up. Shall I start? <laughs> well, yeah, you're hosting. <laughs> Get get ready for us to massacre your favorite film this week. I've got a lot of shit. I want to talk about it. Okay. Okay. Same for me okay. as well. Fine. <laughs> Let's go. Hey! I'll follow your soul! I'll follow your soul! I'll follow your soul! <laughs> Swallow this. This is Diabolical, the comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Gaz, and this week's movie is 1987's Evil Dead 2 from Das Wunderkind, Sam Raimi. So, Peril Pals, head out to the workshed, strap a petrol-powered chainsaw to your bloody arm stump, and for the four in attendance, and the hundreds of billions listening at home. Let's get diabolical! Groovy. <laughs> Happy birthday to, to us. you! Happy to birthday, diabolical! Happy birthday to us! Happy birthday to us! Happy birthday to us! Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Diabolical! Happy birthday to us! Happy birthday on which I am joined by the panel of peril who will compete at the show's close to see who can improve the villainous plan of the week the best to win points for our season three leaderboard in the show's competitive round. For our one year anniversary episode, I have chosen my favourite film. So if you don't like this episode, keep it to yourselves, peril pals. But first, if the panel would like to introduce themselves and tell us what their preferred weapon of choice would be to fight the hordes of darkness. We'll go alphabetical. That's easiest. Mm-hmm. Well, alphabetical as in... First bender, then flexor, first... then fry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Evil Adam, and the weapon that I would like to use against hordes of dead rising from the grave is a flamethrower. Nice. Just because I think it would uh, be the one to stop them really quick. And um, I just would like to use a flamethrower at some point on something <laughs> coming towards me. And uh, and if they were reanimated corpses, I wouldn't really feel that guilty about it. Unlike, you know, the people who were in bunkers in World War II that got horribly burnt to death. <laughs> 
Happy birthday, diabolical. <laughs> Happy birthday, flamethrower. I like that you said we'd all know the words to the song this week, but it was touch and go, wasn't it? <laughs> Hello, I'm Ben, and I would use a lightsaber if you'll allow me. If you won't allow me, then I would use the mm. ivory-handled katana carried by. What's his name in uh, in Highlander? Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Mm. <laughs> Spaniard. Yeah. Call the Spaniard. I'll allow the lightsaber. Nice. they got to do a horror movie Star Wars at some mm. point, haven't they? Yeah. Surely. God, that'd be amazing. Why haven't they done that already? Once Kathleen Kennedy's gone and they get someone who's uh, willing to take the slightest of gambles. Pretty <gasps> <laughs> clean, though, a lightsaber, isn't it? For killing zombies. You, you know, you cauterize the wound as you chop, don't you? Yeah, it takes the enjoyment out of it. Yeah, you want to see a bit of goop. <laughs> I don't want the zombie mush on my skin. <laughs> Deadite Count Attackula here, a.k.a. as Craig. My weapon of choice for defeating the hordes of the undead. It's two weapons, if you'll allow me. Uh, one for each hand. <laughs> Left hand, World in Motion by New Order. Right hand, <laughs> The Stonk by Hail and Pace. <laughs> like frisbee him right at the fuckers yeah. like she wasn't dead yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh the stunk is good oh, I'll have to mm. see the stunk in the show notes for anybody that's uh, never seen the video yeah S-T-O-N-K <laughs> pick a red nose on your conk and let stunk and stunk <laughs> but anywho uh, my weapon of choice to fight the hordes of darkness is taken from peter jackson's it's either bad taste or brain dead i forget which but it's a lawnmower brain dead is it brain dead yeah when he's just yeah, like yeah. smashing yeah. it into it's zombies heads and things amazing. like that yeah. oh. good stuff good stuff <laughs> it'd be tiring though wielding that wouldn't it flipping heck oh, yeah. i watched yeah, it just thinking how long <laughs> I pump some iron beforehand. I've got plenty of protein bars in the cupboard. Get on them. Get some chickens in. <laughs> You've got a long extension cord. How long's your extension cord? Uh, I don't know. I might invest in like a satchel battery pack. Ooh. They they last a good few hours, don't they? I think this doesn't sound like a long term plan for surviving the zombie apocalypse. This is just uh, I'm going to survive for one night and kill as many as I can. No, it's just like going down to the shops. Okay. I eat all my chicken. I get my lawnmower out, smash it into the shops to buy more chicken, get back home, <laughs> and then the cycle begins again. The circle of life. <laughs> You're still going to pay for the chicken that you consume in the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. you got to have a code, haven't you? Bloody hell. I'm not an animal. Capitalism code. Hey, if, if he goes and takes that chicken, he's no better than the zombies themselves, Craig. No, yeah, sorry, you handsome bastard, Count Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think I should wield this power more authoritatively. <laughs> Something to get out of line. Evil Dead 2 was released in 1987, some six years after the original film was dubbed the most ferociously original horror film of the year by Stephen King. For that first feature, director Sam Raimi, producer Rob Tappett and producer star Bruce Campbell scraped together the budget from local businesses in Detroit. But for the sequel, they worked under the auspices of legendary producer Dino De Laurentiis, who provided them with a much bigger budget. 
Holding themselves up in the iconic Cabin in the Woods for the production, the film would once again star Bruce Campbell as Ash, the square-jawed hero who reaches his wit's end whilst fighting through the night against the army of darkness brought forth by the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, roughly translated the Book of the Dead. Featuring a heady mix of slapstick comedy and extreme gore, which the producing trio dubbed Splatstick, Evil Dead 2 is nothing revolutionary in its plot, but its form is electrifying. Be it Raimi's kinetic camera flying through the woods, attached to bikes or planks of wood, the instantly recognisable sound design, crazy comedy stylings, or Campbell's charismatic, hilarious and extremely physical performance, Evil Dead 2 is regarded by horror fans as one of the greatest to ever hit the silver screen. But what did the panel of peril think of the film? Let's go with Count Attacula. I like it. Next. High praise indeed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big fan of the Evil Dead series, as I think you already knew. I have owned all the special editions, and I'm a big fan of Sam Raimi generally in his style. I think he has made an indelible mark on the landscape of maybe not, you know, high art, but B-movie horror cinema and Evil Dead is rightly revered by a lot of the smaller indie filmmakers who came out in the 90s. You know, your Tarantinos and your... your uh, I don't want to say Eli Roth because he didn't go anywhere, did he? But, you know, <laughs> those those fellas. And even in his own work that he's obviously carried through to uh, Marvel, you know, the Spider-Man movies and the recent Doctor Strange movie, which I personally am a big fan of. Mm. Uh, but as, as for Evil Dead 2 in particular... I think it's it's a fun plot. I think it's very dry and funny. I think it's also full of great kind of gore, which I enjoy. So overall, it is for me. I'm a fan. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Shall we perhaps see what Ben has to say? It's quite unlike any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's It's inventive storytelling, and I think it's a masterclass in practical effects the creature designs they're uh, they're kind of they're as absurd as they are disturbing and i think they perfectly match the tone of the film uh every performer you can see commits 100 percent. yeah and kind of right from the first decapitation is it six minutes into the film <laughs> yeah it it's breakneck pacing and it doesn't let you catch your breath for the the whole the whole time. Yeah. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so with a special mention for the 84 minute runtime, <laughs> it gets a well-deserved <laughs> watch it rating from me. Nice. <laughs> a sequel filmmakers could learn a lot from Raimi because he really hits the ground running here. Obviously it does include a reshot kind of recap of the first Evil Dead movie because they didn't have the rights to the original mm. one when they made yeah. the sequel. Yeah. But it's done so well. And yeah, he doesn't fuck about. He gets right to it, which I I really appreciate. And Spider-Man 2 does the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah, in in the opening creds. Yeah. Same with Army of Darkness. It's um, Bridget Fonda is his girlfriend in the remade Mm. uh, Evil Dead 2 at the start of that. And then in the series, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, there's remade sections and they do actually get to use clips of uh, the first Evil Dead in that one. Yeah. 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 Somewhat of a, a gonzo tradition with the series. Yeah. And Adam, 
What do you have to say for yourself? Well, I will say, firstly, my memories of first coming across this film, like discovering the Necronomicon. Every time I watch it, I I just remember that first time, and especially because it was my, my cousin's VHS. And, you know, when you see the, the cover and you're like, as a kid, I can't, I can't remember how old. I couldn't remember any more than 10. No, definitely not more than 10. Maybe eight or nine. Maybe I think about nine. And I saw that cover. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the skull with the, the real eyes, that cover. Yeah. Uh, and and, it's, and it was the same as seeing the Iron Maiden covers for the LPs mm. and stuff at the oh, time. Yeah. yeah, That's a good comparison. And I was like, yeah. what? Literally, every time I see it and I see that cover and then I start seeing a film, I I have that emotional contact with it and thinking what, literally, what evil lies within this. It's the, It's that power of that, the cover... And then once you get into it as well, it's it is it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, but as a kid, it's absolutely terrifying because you can't appreciate the comedic values quite then and there. Right? Yeah, that's true. But you yeah. do as you get a bit yeah. older. But for me, it's it's that the first watch has always stayed with me, and every time I look at that, I still get that sort of uh, it's like that ripple that's still coming out across the lake. You know, I can still feel it. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't own a single copy. I've never owned it, but I think maybe that's to do possibly with the the way it has affected me when I first watched it. So yeah, I do. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Like uh, Ben said, it's one of those films that just you you buckle up and then that's it. You're in. And I I couldn't imagine pulling myself away. Unless I was absolutely desperate for piss. <laughs> but, uh, High praise indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Stick it on the poster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's great. And and same as Count Attackula said, you can see, you know, he's inspired a lot of people and uh, with that series and the franchise and stuff. And yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's really great. I, I love horror anyway, so all that kind of stuff, the excess gore and sometimes the the lunacy of it all and it's great isn't it it's just like you're having some sort of a crazy dream and i guess maybe he did dream it because it's got that kind of dream kind of like quality to it as well the thing you know is it in a dream you what would you do you'd be lopping bits off and trying to get away and it's just brilliant yeah well there's several waking up that sequence was a dream moments isn't there when when ash is uh mm. All by his lonesome at the opening half hour of the film. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's used that for uh, their plot at all. Oh. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna jot that down now. I wonder. It's quite interesting what you say there, Turner. Like if you, as a child, you you weren't aware enough of the tropes to see what they were subverting, so mm-hmm. you just saw it as out and out horror, basically. It was just terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's by the seat of your pants yeah. horror, and that's what it was for me at the time. I appreciate it, like I say, now, obviously, you, you do see that. But at the time, it's just that cover, and you're like, evil dead, dead by dawn, and you're like... Yeah. In <laughs> yeah. hindsight, that's quite a funny name, isn't it? It, it, yeah. it, paint, it paints a picture <laughs> in your head immediately, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, you, you're, you're frightened before you even start watching the movie, because yeah. you know you're yeah, going to be crapping yeah. yourself. And yeah, I did. Yeah. I shit myself. 
Well, he he wanted to make Army of Darkness, uh, but the yeah. the studio wouldn't let him. And his original name for it was Medieval Dead, which I think is is oh brilliant a tip off to how funny he he was making it. Yeah, they wouldn't let him go go with that for some reason. They didn't want it tied to the first two films. Um, so it became Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness. Yeah. But as for my own thoughts on uh, on Evil Dead Two, it is my favourite film of all time. It's it's one of those Ooh. comfort films that you can just <laughs> shove on, and it's so <laughs> bizarre and funny. Ben's um, shaking his head vigorously. Then, <laughs> but I'm I'm nodding. I think it says a lot about Gaz's mentality that that's a comfort film for him. Uh, it really is. I think Bruce Campbell's performance, particularly in that first half hour, I think is absolutely incredible. Quite how Bruce Campbell didn't become an A-list leading man is one of Hollywood's great mysteries to me. Based on that performance based on performances like when he plays elderly Elvis in Bubba Hotep or even the adventures oh, yeah. of Briscoe County Junior. Yeah. He's just he's he's absolutely incredible. He can do it all. I think it's because he kind of sends up that image, isn't it? Like, especially like in Xena, he was doing like a pastiche almost of like an Errol Flynn type. And I think yeah. anybody yeah. like a casting agent would look at that and go, Oh, he's just a comic actor. And like Evil Dead too especially is kinda of like, you know, a stooge act, isn't it? It's not like a, a leading man kind of role. Uh, probably a lot of that's down to the way that Sam Raimi has handled Bruce Campbell's career because he, you know, obviously famously fucks with him and beats him up and stuff. Every character he played in the Spider Man trilogy was a putz. So, <laughs> well, I think that, maybe that's why. That also, I um, was I listening to cancelled movie report, and that was in his draft of Spider Man 4 that they all of Bruce Campbell's characters would be revealed to have been the same person who was Mysterio. Right. Uh, apparently was like the, the James Bond pre-credit sequence for the aborted mm. Spider-Man 4. Yeah. But else, elsewhere, Sam Raimi's direction is absolutely incredible. A self-taught. Mm. He was 22, 23 years old when they made Evil Dead 2. Maybe a bit old. Certainly under 30. I heard 21 when he made Evil Dead. That's what I heard. Mm. Yeah, that, so, that yeah. would make him 26, 27 then for Evil Dead 2 yeah. uh, after getting completely fucked over with Crime Wave by the studio taking Final Cut from him. Mm, yeah, It's just so, so inventive in terms of how he moves his camera, the sound, yeah. which works in tandem with the camera. The stop motion sequences in this film of actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's crash zooms there's crazy pov shots through the woods it's it's got mm. everything a, a director's diy handbook you could uh, quite handily make from this film some of it feels like uh he's almost asked the question of people like greg nicotero and those guys around him and he's, he's got the naivety of of the kind of lack of experience to just go can we do this and those are those are the kind of guys who would just go yeah let's try it and stuff like like you were saying earlier putting a mounting a camera on a bike and just like driving it through the woods he didn't know enough to know that that's probably not a good idea like most mm. film sets would go let's not do that <laughs> but <laughs> they, they would just you know up for whatever and i think that's that's one of the strengths of it is that he uh like i say was self-taught but had a lot of innate kind of nous about it as well yeah i think you're right about the experimentation because 
I, re- I was reading a little bit about it before we came on, and apparently, you know, the scene where Linda's head is in the vice, <laughs> his girlfriend's head's in the vice, and yeah. then the headless corpse comes in. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't in the original script. Oh, really? That was something they wrote on location. So they okay. it seems they were kind of just experimenting and trying things mm. during the shoot as well. Mm. There's some uh, funny behind the scenes footage of that sequence. It's basically it's the top of the torso and the bottom half is just a pole, which I'm, I'm almost saying it's Sam Raimi <laughs> holding and he's just battering Bruce yeah. Campbell with it because that's what <laughs> Sam Raimi likes to do. Yeah, There's numerous times during this film, most notably when he's driving the car back to the cabin trying to outrun the force at night. And a branch just smacks him in the face through the window, and you're just like, "That was Sam Raimi, hundred <laughs> percent." Yeah, I read I read a comment from Bruce Campbell saying something like, "It's a shame that people never get to appreciate the uh, physical comedy of Sam of Sam Raimi." Yeah, because uh, obviously they can't see him doing it. <laughs> yeah, he does have a cameo at the end as the knight who uh, proclaims yeah. Ash as the. Uh... Uh, returning yeah. hero. Yeah, and Henrietta is uh, Teddy. Yeah. Oh, yes. His brother. Still looks like Ted, doesn't it? Yes. He's, he's such a instantly recognisable guy, Ted Raimi. Yeah. Good stuff. God, God, everybody liked it. Yeah, and you know, I, I didn't watch them religiously, but I think what we got out of that, like Xena and, and Hercules to a lesser extent, but especially Xena, were, were also fucking great. Autolycus that uh, Bruce Campbell played brilliant like Errol Flynn Robin Hood type character and those shows were criminally underseen thanks to being kind of relegated to Channel 5 in the UK but big hits in in the USA so if you've never checked those out and you're a fan of any Sam Raimi stuff uh, I would urge you to do so definitely yeah yeah and quite quite a lot of the uh the cast and crew of those two shows would wind up working on Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yeah, Lucy Lawless. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but does uh, Bruce Campbell have a, a cameo in Evil Dead Rise? He does. I think he um, must do. He's doing loads of press for it, isn't he? Well, okay. he's a producer. It's Raimi Tappet and Campbell mm. producing. Um, he, he does uh, have a cameo, cool, cool. but the director, Lee Cronin, uh, an Irish director, has said, pre-release, I'll give 10 or 20 bucks, whatever it was, to the first person who can spot Bruce's cameo, oh. and it took a few days, I think, for someone to get it. I I didn't spot it when I watched it. There was one obvious place where it could have been, which he Cronin has said that's that's not Bruce. So I'm not sure where he is, but he is in. Oh, okay. so if uh, if any of the peril pals out there do know, hit us up. Give it yourself a good opportunity to get a one up on us. You won't be getting <laughs> ten or twenty bucks from us. In fact. No. You should send us 10 or 20 bucks. I'll give you, I'll give you 10 or 20 yen. <laughs> I'm just wondering whether any of the panel of peril themselves have stayed in an isolated cabin in the woods. And if you have, what was that experience like? I've been in uh, like a, a ramshackle cabin in the woods but not stayed in it but we used to play in one a lot that was in the fields behind the house where i grew up just had a lot of rumors about supernatural things that might have lived there or (laughs) crazy old people who might have you know vagrants who who frequented it so that was quite fun but yeah certainly never slept over in in one 
My sister's been to Centre Parks. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of weird goings on there. That can be sure. uh, Evil Dead Rises 2. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Centre Parks and it's, everyone's in a cabin, but there's like 50, <laughs> 50 families. <laughs> Anybody else stayed in a cabin in the woods? I'm just trying to think. I think, yeah, I've been to Centre Parks as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I kind of did, but it wasn't very scary. It was with loads of other people, so it was like, yeah. it was just like an old factory in the middle of a fucking training ground in Hereford. <laughs> so I stayed in Gary Vaughan's caravan. He had it in his garden. Yeah, me, me and uh, Matt Davis were walking home from the pub one night and just went and stayed in his caravan. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's not in the middle of the woods, so it's just on his drive. On his drive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I've stayed in a cabin in the woods, but not really isolated, just surrounded by other cabins. And you do hear weird, like, leaf rustling noises at night, which makes mm. you go, hmm, that's vaguely creepy, but nothing. A leaf? Yeah, like something's, like, running through fallen leaves around your Fox, cabin. Foxes going, ah! Ah! Shagging and stuff like that, innit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in in Ben's opening statement he said that uh the creature designs were were very uh interesting. So has anybody got did any you just click a pen quick... while you were talking? Yes, you fucking did. <laughs> okay, I'll redo you it. Get yourself, I'll redo it. get yourself a bick. Get yourself one of those little bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the quote for this week. <laughs> Well, it's because it's because Ben said in I think the first season, you got to stop clicking your pen turn. You got so straight away. I, there you go. I dropped it. So that's I got a paper mate back. I only click it when you're talking, not when I'm talking. <laughs> that's why I've got digital boys. No pen temptation. I've got to have uh, what do they call it? Um, stimming, stimming. That's what they call it. Yeah, yeah. That mess, messing around in it, stimming. Yeah. In his opening statement, Ben mentioned that the monster designs and creature designs in Evil Dead 2 were, were very interesting. So I'm wondering which creatures the Panel of Peril favoured the most. Got to be the gooseneck Henrietta. It's fucking wild. Amazing. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? So good. I've always thought of that as being half giraffe, half baboon. Yeah. <laughs> Just because of the noises that she makes. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to it either, is it? It's, it's very random. Yeah, <laughs> I like the way they do uh, Evil Ash as well. He's not fully formed like he in in Army of Darkness. He's kind of skeletal, isn't he? But yeah. in this, he's just like an extreme version of Bruce Campbell, like even more yeah, chin. It looks amazing. Yeah, he, he starts off as sort of like basically the same as in Evil Dead Two, but he shotguns him right mm. in the face and he he reconstitutes right. himself. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he at one point turn into hundreds of tiny ashes? Yes, yeah. Yeah. And it's like uh, Gulliver's Travels, but as a right. splastic sequence. Oh, yeah. One yeah. dives down his throat and he like gargles a <laughs> boiling kettle of water to try and kill it. And he's going... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, really good. <laughs> wow. Apparently the makeup for Henrietta was like a six-hour process. So mm. when Ted Remy had a, a nine o'clock call, he'd be in at three a.m. And so he'd have like the prosthetics put on, but then to have the body shape, it was beanbags, heavy beanbags. 
Yeah. And it would add like 10 kilograms to his weight. And mm. so during the shoot, he was just, he had to have a respirator in between takes. What I've heard from other, other productions is that in those days, those contact lenses that are, you know, coloured, they were, you know, the technology hadn't come on to make them comfortable and they were horrible to wear. Just thick glass, basically. Mm. I heard someone say it was like putting Tupperware in your eyes. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Awful. We're going back to how, how hot Ted Raimi was in uh, the sea. Oh, yeah. Mm. There's a shot towards the end when Henrietta escapes the cellar. And she's on the ceiling spinning around. Uh, I think she's got Annie. And you can see that the crotch on the sea is completely ripped yet. And the sweat is just pouring out like thick white sweat. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> he must have been dying a death in that suit every oh, day. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't think I could do that because um, I was watching one... No. Um, on the prosthetics and stuff, it was like to, it was like a documentary about various creature prosthetics of various movies. And uh, like Kevin Peter Hall, the Predator, he had like his head on, but then you could take off like the top half of it, so he's like this bit of his face yeah, really? could be out. So he could, huh. he could, but then some of the ones I seen, they would just had like everything, but then he just had like this little bit here, and then yeah, like their eyes. Yeah. Or just a pipe to breathe out of, or something. And I was like, "Yeah, I would be ripping it off my face because I get claustrophobic anyway." So, yeah, I'm very horrendous. claustrophobic. Yeah. Have you ever seen Tom Holland drinking juice as Spider Man? He has to drink yeah. it through his eye hole in his mask because there's no other <laughs> holes in the suit. It always makes me think of, uh, and we might be talking about this in more detail at some point. Always makes me think of the commentary for Hannibal when Ridley Scott's saying. Uh, yeah, someone said uh, uh, Gary Oldman will let you keep his eye open, and I was like, "Oh, Willie!" <laughs> and then <laughs> that fucking that Mason Virgin makeup. Ah, uh, Gary Oldman's a fucking champ, unbelievable. <laughs> it's putting me in mind of I think you should leave, where he's mm. uh, the the skit where the uh, the guy, the old guy in the mall. Yeah, he goes, "What? You don't want to live because you've got the suit on." <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna rip the head yeah. off. <laughs> fucking fucked. Well, my favourite creature design in the film is uh, they dubbed him Evil Ed when Ed uh, randomly mm. <laughs> is suddenly a deadite and he's got sort of a, a prized open mouth with massive, massive teeth. teeth. He enjoys eating people's hair for some reason. <laughs> and he sort of floats in midair with crooked hands pointing at every angle, yeah. extolling that he's going to take everybody's souls, swallow their souls uh, without his mouth moving at all. Yeah. There's also a slightly stop motion type look to it, uh, maybe just some frame yeah. cropping. Uh, yeah, I think he's great. And then yeah. Ash chops into bits with an axe, and there's all yeah. like quivering bits of him all over the floor. <laughs> it's quite a spectacular death for his character. Yeah, it's brilliant, especially because just prior to that, they've not trusted Ash. They've kind of locked him away. But as soon as he comes out and saves the day in hilarious and horrendous fashion, like all is forgiven. <laughs> It takes tremendous will, I would imagine, to chop a man to bits with what is quite a tiny axe. Yeah. <laughs> Comically small axe. If it's a sharp axe, it'll be all right, wouldn't it? It'd be like a yeah, knife through butter. <laughs> I particularly liked the uh, stop motion bit of, of his girlfriend in the forest dancing around and then it rolls mm. her head. Yeah. And that whole, se- <laughs> that, that whole sequence there and he's just like looking out the blocked up 
window or door, whatever it is, and and he's just like, <gasps> and he just can't move because <laughs> he's just yeah. like, it's it just great. But I just love that whole sequence anyway. It's just like, oh, I'll just have a dancing round a bit and doing stuff and rolling head around. <laughs> I just thought. That, I bet that's where Gaz got the idea to roll shit up and down. The thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I reckon that's exactly what he's done. <laughs> it's funny how she exits there as well, isn't it? She just sort of goes, ah, and flies yeah. off frame. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like great. A ballerina. I just love it. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So does anybody want to start off with favourite sequence? Yeah. Yeah, mine's not a long one. I suppose the sequence would be the the opening, you know, as soon as the recap is done, the flight that the evil entity takes Ash on through the woods, but particularly there's like that spiral dive into the puddle and then back up, yeah. which yeah. is a Raimi signature now, but at the time, it's, it's still mind-blowing like how it was done, but it looks fantastic. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. my favourite sequence. I've got one even earlier than that. Wow. It's where you go from the opening credits and the, the D turns and you're going through the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> what a way shit. to open. It was, yeah. as, it was wow. Transition King, Sam Raimi. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, do you remember the one uh, through the Spider-Man's chest symbol into the next scene? Wow. Yeah, wow. that's good. Great. Yeah, it's him designing his suit, I think, isn't it, on paper? Yeah. And then it goes through the chest and it's him swinging through the streets. Yeah. Fan-bloody-tastic. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Adam? When it starts to go really sort of comedic is where some of the best and the craziest bits happen. And I like it when um, the head bites him on the hand and he's trying to basically get it off and there's all that <laughs> uh, and it's just crazy uh, and I was, and from there on in really it's just it's anything goes isn't it yeah the fight with his hand that ensues as a result of it being bitten is incredible that's the entry point for all that complete lunacy after that and um, yeah so that's my favourite bit I love it when he's unconscious and the hand's dragging him yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did they do that it just looks amazing yeah yeah yeah, so good. <laughs> uh, favorite favorite sequence for me. I'll just pick one shot that I really really like, which is when uh, when he tries to escape in uh, the trademark Delta Oldsmobile uh, via the mm. bridge, and it's been wrecked and turned up into sort of a, a claw hand. Uh, he turns around and it goes into sort of a mid close up, and then we see the sun in the background and it is huge it's yeah. filling the entire rest of the frame and we see it setting so the deadites are about to come out i just think that's uh incredibly uh visually striking and slightly yeah. surreal and then of course you get the the great car chase through the woods with sam Raimi battering him uh with branches through the window like i spoke about <laughs> before so yeah and any, any sequence that involves the the force pov shot I just, I love. There's some moments during those where you'd swear it was um, the Three Stooges saying, Why I order? Yeah. <laughs> you can sort of... <laughs> well, yeah. Apparently that, apparently that eyeball where it goes in the girl's mouth, that was, a, yeah. uh, Sam Raimi said that's a direct rip-off of a Three Stooges sketch with a pie. Oh, into the uh, mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, um... They're all big Stooges fans, Raimi, Campbell and Tapper. And um, the the term that they have for when they they need like a pickup shot with an actor who isn't available 
and they have to get a stand-in is they call them fake shemps because mm. of the Three Stooges replacement brother for Harpo, Shemp, who subsequently died oh. halfway through a film. And so they had to get a fake Shemp to finish the film. So that's that's a credit in pretty much all of Sam Raimi's films is fake Shemp. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> With typically quite a few names on the board. What sequence gave you the biggest laugh? Mm. It's tough, isn't it? There's a lot of big laughs. Apart from lines, which my, my line is, I think, quite a, an unobvious one and a bit of a daisy. I think it's it's like you said, it's it's when his hand's attacking him and he's he's basically unconscious. He's got the wobbly head and he's smashing plates over his own head nonstop. <laughs> and then he sort of slumps to the floor and the, the hand's sort of making <laughs> noises. And it sort of, it starts like it's seen something, it sees the butcher's knife. Just that whole thing. Just incredible because he's he is playing unconscious and also playing sentient yeah. at the same time. Just yeah. brilliant. There's a couple of things that I think are, are really quietly funny. One infamous one being that the, the book of Farewell to Arms is around Amazing. when he's getting his hand <laughs> on. My list. The other one, though, is just Ash playing the piano at the start. Just in context mm. of the film, I just find it really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the out and out balls out funniest moment for me is when the entity, you know, the the ram cam is chasing him through the house, and he manages to ditch it. <laughs> it's like looking around for it. <laughs> it just sort of slinks off back the way it came. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. The bit that really caught me caught me off guard and made me laugh way more than I thought it would was the amount of blood coming out the wall. I was crying. <laughs> yeah. 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 It just comes a little bit and then it's just firing for ages. <laughs> you just think it's going to be like a, a paint can or something just tipped out of the thing, but then mm. all of a sudden it just goes, Poof, and you're like, yeah. pressure. It's like pressure. a fire hydrant going off. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny that there's loads of ADR when he's beating himself up and there's like quite a lot of close-ups on his mouth. You can see that he wasn't speaking while he was doing it. But like it's got him going. I'll get you. I'll get you. It's like <laughs> I love that purposely cheesy dialogue that they do uh, in uh, Army of Darkness. The best dialogue that he's got is uh, he swings off a castle turret on a rope and he goes tally ho. <laughs> he's got a cape on and everything. Oh my god, crazy. Uh, well, should we? Uh, move on to favourite lines in that case. You've already said mine. You said it. I said yours. Did I? Yeah, you said it in your intro. Workshed. <laughs> it's brilliant. That's something that he clearly isn't saying as well. <laughs> that was just added yeah. for <laughs> needless <Yeah>. exposition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then let's go down into that cellar and carve ourselves a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Adam. I don't have anything written down, I'm afraid. Sorry. Really? No, <laughs> no I don't. Your favourite line is no, groovy. No, I was just... I was just uh, really groovy. I, yeah, I'll just say groovy then. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I can't really know one that everybody else hasn't already said, to be honest. Mm. So, no. That's fine. It was hard to take notes in this film, actually, because yeah. of the pacing. Yeah. Mm. It's just moving so quick. You couldn't have yeah. time to, to take a note. It makes the, the first film feel like a leisurely stroll by comparison. 
Uh, yeah. Mm. And the first film's played a, a lot straighter as well. It is still quite funny, but mm. unintentionally so quite a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. You messed with a pen again there. So. You are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally going for it with that pen tonight. Just hold your balls like there's, uh, there's, there's Chinese relaxation balls out there. Yeah, play pocket billiards. I'm doing it right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine is uh, Ash to Linda, his girlfriend, in the uh, the preamble before everything goes to hell. And he's got a big cheesy grin on his face, Ash, and he says, what do you say we have some champagne, huh, baby? After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. At least the last time I checked. Bum, 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 bum. 100%. That was observed, and that was Tapper hitting on somebody. Yes. He's said that to somebody for real. I think I've mentioned this on another episode already because it's one of my favourite things ever, but on the <laughs> DVD commentary, Bruce Campbell's telling a story about, I think it's when Rob Tappert met Lucy Lawless, right? Yeah, it sounds like it might be, yeah. And he says to her, uh, hey, hey, baby, want to play house? You can be the screen door and I'll bang you all night long. <laughs> <laughs> and they're still married to this day, so obviously it worked. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned earlier the, the tooling up montage, yeah, which has been copied so many times, ending with the line groovy is like so iconic. I think uh, most of the dialogue from Duke Nukem came from Evil Dead 2. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I've just got uh, one more, one more thing that I really like is uh, when when he's uh, in the in the workshed chainsawing. Linda's head to bits after he's taken out the body <laughs> and it's sort of a close-up on Ash's face getting spattered with blood and he's just going, oh yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> he's, just, he's just doing all these exclamations in a row just getting drenched in in uh, groovy, groovy <laughs> red stuff. Yeah, my only real kind of not, it's not a massive criticism of the <sighs> film, but Gaz is going to cry. Maybe a, sl- a minor shame that it ends with a setup for Army of Darkness. But maybe that's just because I know it exists. Would that ending work without a sequel? I think they all end with him fucking up. Well, not not the theatrical cut ending of Army yeah. of Darkness, but the, the original ending. Yeah. Results in Ash fucking up. And certainly the, the last episode of the series. Does as well. Mm. So it's one of those things, isn't it? It's, it's hard to know without. That theatrical cut ending of Army of Darkness is fucking mental, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. In, in, yeah. In the S Mart. Fucking yeah. crazy. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan, as you're probably aware, of um, lingerie. Studio idents. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so this has one that's unique, which is uh, Rosebud Productions, which. Mm. It's the only film it ever distributed because it was X-rated and Dino De Laurentiis didn't want to have to deal with that. Right, yeah, he made he made the studio especially for the film, yeah. Huh, yeah. But it's it nonetheless has a great little studio ident, which I really like. Yeah, the blooming rose. <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate that. 
In Evil Dead 2, the Deadites, led by the cabin basement dwelling Henrietta, physically and psychologically torture our hero Ash Williams throughout the course of the night as they try to get their nefarious mitts on the Book of the Dead. Confining their assault to an isolated cabin in the woods, the Deadites destroy the only bridge out of the area, force Ash to cut off his own hand, and brutally pick off a bunch of latecomers before finally sucking off our square-chinned hero and into a portal, allowing the army of darkness to invade Earth whilst also flinging Ash back in time where he is trapped forever. Or is he? But what did everybody think of the Deadite's evil scheme? And did you like my sucking off joke? Yes, it was good. Uh, I saw a visible confusion on on Ben's face for a second. (laughs) (laughs) It's because there was a pause between the uh, sucking up part and the dimension. I was like, did I watch the same film? (laughs) I think the Deadites are agents of chaos and they don't have much of a plan. I think uh, Annie opening the portal is more to do with her than it is to do with them. They just kind of, they want to fuck everybody up, don't they? And they think it's hilarious. It's just their idea of fun. So I don't think they have a plan, really. They just kind of, they are. They they be, and they do. I would agree with that. Except it, I think the only part they, they do kind of plan is, is take out the bridge. Yeah. That seems part of a larger scheme. So for taking out the bridge, they get uh, five very evil florets of broccoli. Oh, quite middling. Don't forget that broccoli is already the most evil of all vegetables. So no, it's evil not. Florets of broccoli. no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> fennel. Oh, yeah, Ooh. fennel's megan. Yeah. Fucking fennel. Hey, do you want something that tastes like aniseed and comes out of the ground and it's supposed to be good for you? It tastes like shit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Adamski. Do you rate the Deadites plan? Uh, I it's it's all right. It's sort of yeah, like you say, it's a bit of a um, cobbled as they go sort of thing. Nothing really special, but they they sort of get rid of Ash, don't they? A little bit, so it's kind of successful, I suppose, in a way. Well, my thoughts on the Deadites uh, scheme are diametrically opposed to to you three guys. I think they know what they're doing the whole way through because this is the second night Ash has been in the cabin now. They're keeping Mm -hmm. him there for a reason. They've turned him into a deadite, which he can randomly turn off for reasons that's never explained. Remain unclear. Mm. Almost as though they know those pages are on their way and they're waiting to get them so that Ash can get his hands on them. The only reason that they don't get them sooner is because Jake chucks them into the cellar and they get scattered to the four corners of the the fruit cellar. I think they're just biding their time to get that portal open, to get Ash back in time because they know about the prophecy and then they know that he'll just destroy the entire planet through being a big doofus when he goes back to 1380. So I think (laughs) it's a very good plan. And there. (laughs) Do you require the context of knowing what happens in Army of Darkness to believe that about that? Well, the the last bit maybe, but I think it's reasonable to assume since it's in their book that they know that he is the prophesied one and that they need to mm. get him back in time. Uh, That's yeah. what I'm saying. I think you're probably right. Sounds very nerdy, so I've never, <laughs> yeah. never got that. Well then. 
Just before we move on to the competition style round, we would like to thank you very much for listening to our show so far. It's been a wonderful year and we hope you'll join us for a wonderful second year. But please remember, if you like what you hear each week, please subscribe, leave us a five-star review and follow us on Apple Podcasts. It is the best platform to help us grow the show and you Peril Pals play an important part in that process. We've had a few reviews recently and it's given us a good boost. So a few more never hurts. The more the merrier. Jump on board. Doesn't have to be much, just a sentence or two and five stars. If you aren't on Apple, rate us on your provider of choice and follow us on socials at DiabolicalPod. This is the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for precious peril points on the perilous leaderboard. Each member gets one vote, which will equal one point on the board. But do remember that you cannot vote for yourself. How can we possibly improve upon the Deadite scheme to trick Ash and our heroes into releasing the army of darkness, I hear you ask? Let's do this! All three of us reached right at the same time. I made sure to, to put my screen off the script and on to you guys to see your reaction for the first time. It was a delight. I, uh, I got the volume. I got the volume right down. I didn't hear it. Just sort of scrunch up. First up, shall we have Adam? Oh bollocks. <laughs> Confidence, that's what we like. I'm not confident. It's always. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Evil Dead. <laughs> Ash, once again, finds himself drawn to a secluded cabin. Little does Ash know that the cabin's location is no coincidence. And it doesn't just include the Deadites. It lies within the territory of the dark woodland animals. Seemingly innocent group of creatures with a dark secret. As Ash arrives at the cabin, he senses an unusual presence surrounding him. Unbeknownst to him, something or someone has been observing his every move. Recognising him as a potential ally to aid them in fulfilling their sinister agenda, the animals see an opportunity to finally achieve their goal of summoning their dark lord, the Antichrist. Yes, the woodland critter Christmas animals are on holiday and looking for an ally or allies. <laughs> the critters, aware of Ash's history with supernatural forces, decide to approach him once he has turned and strike a deal. They offer him their assistance and power in exchange for helping them bring about the reign of darkness. Intrigued by the potential advantages, Evil Ash is well game. As Ash delves into the dark rituals and harnesses malevolent forces from the Necronomicon, the woodland critter Christmas animals become his guides, revealing forbidden knowledge. However, a mischievous resident of South Park, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh, <laughs> discovers the alliance between Ash and the critters and realises the grave threat it poses. 
Mr. Hankey, with his unique abilities to traverse between dimensions, seeks out the help of the South Park residents Stan, Kyle, Cartman and Kenny. Together, they form an unlikely alliance to thwart the plans of Ash and the woodland critter Christmas animals and save the world from impending doom. Armed with their determination and a secret weapon, some shitty chicken from CityWalk, courtesy of Luke Kim, infused with Tergrady weed, the South Park group ventures into the woods. They confront the Deadites, who now wield dark powers granted by the critters in a dramatic showdown. As the battle ensues, Mr. Hankey utilises the powers of the shitty chicken to counter the influence of the Necronomicon on the Deadites. The Woodland Critter Christmas animals, realising their plan is in jeopardy, launch a ferocious counter-assault, using their numbers and dark magic against the South Park group. We can't fail Satan! We simply can't! <laughs> we must get back to the Antichrist! We must get back to the Antichrist! The Critters call upon their dark, satanic powers. Their eyes glow red and they manage to power the Deadites to victory. The end. <laughs> it, it's hard not to think that this is the reason why you brought up not picking apart each other's plans. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fucking... Oh, so, it's horrible. The, the Woodland Critters have made a deal with Ash to raise the Antichrist. Did I hear that? Yeah, yeah. What buys Ash wanting to raise the Antichrist? I I I started tying myself in knots as I wrote this. I was like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> and, and I was like, "So yeah, because he's evil Ash, but then he's he's okay. like the Deadites are there as well, and then the, the wooden critters have got their thing of raising the Antichrist." Yeah. But then I was yeah. like, "How the fuck am I going to tie this all together?" And I never managed to fully compose <laughs> myself to do it. So that's why I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> when so... you picked me first, I thought I might be able to type in a couple. It sounded yeah. like freeform horror jazz. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was just yeah. Nice. You're... Yeah, I know. I, I was sure I was onto something, and and I was like, oh, "I can't do it. Can't do it." So I welcome all criticism. So Ash has been. Subsumed by Evil Ash in your plan. Yes, mm. yes, yeah. The critters wait till he becomes Evil Ash and they go, Oi! And does that happen at the point it does in the film that Evil Ash comes out of the mirror? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. it's uh, where he falls in the puddle, isn't he? He wakes up and his eyes are all white. Ah, oh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, because yeah. he's out in the woods then. He's out in the woods then. Yeah. Is it South Park canon that Mr. Hanky the Christmas Poo? In traverse dimensions. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> just wondered if that was spectacular. He, he's a to- he's a talking turd. He could do whatever he's a talking he wants. Turd. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. It wasn't questioning it per se. I just didn't know because I haven't <laughs> caught up with South Park. I was wondering if that maybe it was a development that I missed. Anyway, speaking speaking of talking turds, Turner. <laughs> Um, <laughs> nicely done. What what um what animal would uh would be doing the convincing to to persuade Ash? Uh, I would say the squirrel, the grey squirrel, because he's like the most the grey squirrel. Okay, the, the grey squirrel, isn't it? He's um he's like the most um uh, charismatic. No, oh, what's the word? Legi- legible is it? Or I don't know something like. He's most coherent. Anyway, he sounds like he's all right. Mm. 
yeah, mm-hmm. he's like a southern. And he, so, yeah. <laughs> Whereas all the rest is just sounds like <laughs> like it. <laughs> if you were a woodland animal, what would you be? Hmm. That's a tough one, actually, isn't it? Stoat, I think. Yeah, because they can get Ooh. through tiny spaces, can't they? You can get through like even a, they can get through like a wedding ring, can't they, or something like that. They can squeeze their bodies Wily, foxy old stoat. <laughs> foxy old <laughs> Wily, wheezy old, foxy old, peacocky stoat. <laughs> okay, shall we have Countertacular next? They say you should never judge a book by its cover, but you absolutely should. They put a lot of effort into those covers but only for the very best books. Take the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, tastefully bound in monstrous flesh, or the beguiling and iconic Haynes Repair Manual for the Oldsmobile (coughs) Delta 88, adorned with the X-ray view of the engine and the famous Haynes publishing crest, ooh, the yellow and red ribbon contrasting the black and white logo that features a classic bold typeface, set atop a wreath with a bow and a block of cheese or something. When you see that, you know you're holding a quality publication. Henrietta knows this. So, when the pages of the Necronomicon are thrown down into the cellar, she goes out to both repair the road and damage Ash's car, then slips the pages inside the manual. What? Jake's vehicle? Uh, She damages Jake's vehicle beyond repair. Don't worry about that. (laughs) News of the road's repair reaches the group over the cabin's radio, and they rush out to make their getaway. When the Oldsmobile fails to start, Ash checks the glove compartment and finds the manual, asking Annie to read the instructions to him, and she naturally obliges. (laughs) Initially, She's surprised to find ancient Kandarian text within, but then his card does look pretty old. (laughs) It's not long before it becomes apparent the incantation is beginning to open some kind of portal. Henrietta knows that she too may be judged by her appearance, and she really wants Ash and Annie to get into the idea of releasing the Army of Darkness, so she enlists the help of some more appealing zombies. (laughs) Comes a familiar call. That's right, it's newly undead Michael Jackson and his thriller dancers to get everyone in the mood. As the incantation is completed along to the funky rhythm, Ash and the gang dance till dawn with the deadites. I think I initially had quite a similar plan of putting the book inside another book to trick them. Mm. It's clever. But by the time I came to writing my plan, I forgot that that was my initial idea. So, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> and I think that will be reflected when you hear my plan. <laughs> so, was the manual already in the car, or is this something that. No, yeah, he had a Haynes manual for the car, as most drivers would have had in those days. Most car proud owners. And we know that Raimi loves that Oldsmobile because it pops up in, in all of his movies. So it's got it's been looked after, and you can only look after a car like that with a with a quality Haynes repair manual. <laughs> the only possible way <laughs> that just happens to have four pages of the Necronomicon in it. 
But, uh, you know, she's a woman. She doesn't know a lot about cars. So. <gasps> <gasps> yeah, I think uh, a lot of women oh, do think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that yeah. the, the art of automotive repairs is like black magic. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just state unequivocally that the views of Countertacula do not reflect the views of this podcast? Can I just state unequivocally that the views of Countertacula do not represent the views of Craig? <laughs> <laughs> this is evil alter ego. It's a misogynist character that I put on for this we podcast. We would like to remind everybody this is a comedy podcast and we can say whatever the fuck we like because we can take yeah. serious issues and take the piss out of them. So quite right. Off. Quite right. I also don't really think that Jennifer Connolly loves Rivita. It was just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't know it for sure either. She might. She might love it, and that's fine too. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll ask her husband, Paul Bettany, uh, because, you know, you're meant to ask the husband these questions, he, aren't you? He'd choose a lesser of two weevils, though, wouldn't he? Mm. Oh, could, is there a villain in Master and Commander? Yes, it's the French, isn't it? The, yeah, they're, the they're sort of a um, an unseen villain, I suppose, aren't they? Still, yeah. Still doable, yeah. though, probably. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Did Turner just say the lesser of two weasels? Weevils. Weevils. Yeah. It's a Master yeah. and Commander joke. It's a very good one. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, very, very, very funny. Ah, ah, it's Peter Weir. It's, it's really Russell Crowe. It's so fucking good. It's is Russell Crowe anything like Robocop? It's brilliant. Like Robocop on a boat. Uh... <laughs> In a way. Here's one for you. Um, so Annie's reading the Haynes Manual, mm. uh, which contains the pages from Book of the Dead. Mm. Bearing in mind that she's a scholar of the Book of the Dead, how come mm. she doesn't recognise that these are pages from the Book of the Dead? Oh, in my plan. I thought it was so convincing that I thought you were talking about in the film itself. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> uh, as I explained before, you know, first of all, she thinks that Ash's Oldsmobile is like an old classic car and she just thinks it's it's ancient text so she's she thinks it happens to be all text and also because she doesn't know much about cars she just assumes that this is what is in a haynes manual <laughs> fine yep i suppose you know when when you first see a foreign language or a, or a language you don't recognize it it it's you know it's impenetrable but as you get to know it mm. it becomes the opposite, quite penetrable. <laughs> You're saying she's so familiar with ancient Kandarian text that to her it wouldn't stand out because it's exactly. just something she's just, used to seeing just, a lot of. Just reads yeah. it. Like when she's reading like, you know, her stories or little gossip magazines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, oh, or the uh, or the knitting weekly. Yeah, yeah. Or even just something as simple as a shopping list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The ingredients on fairy liquid. <laughs> oh, the amount of times I've read them. That was the only thing I had in front of me, washing the dishes. Oh. When I was <laughs> <laughs> Just there on the shelf. Nothing else to do but read the ingredients on fairy liquid. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have internet in those days. No. And for some reason, the window had like a really thick net curtain that I couldn't see through. So I just had to look at the fairy bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see net curtains nowadays, do you? No. Not no. really, no. No, they're a bit old hat now, aren't they? Yeah. 
No fucking yeah. shame these days. Everyone got the nuts out on display to the world. They? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it. that's what I do every morning. Yeah. Morning! <laughs> <laughs> I press pickle, as they say. <laughs> so we're agreed that I've explained how that main manual business <laughs> works. <laughs> I'd say so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Shall we move on to Ben's plan then, please? Uh, I suppose. After one of the many times Ash is knocked unconscious, the demonic spirit realises a new approach is needed to lure him into opening the portal and decides to take him on a journey through a series of vivid illusions. Ash wakes up and finds himself caught in a rootin' tootin' Wild West gunfight with evil deadite gunmen. One of them looks like, I don't know, Basil Fawlty. <laughs> As he tries to take the gunman out, he realises that their bullets are useless against him. But as he struggles to make sense of what is happening, he suddenly finds himself in a luscious garden dressed in Victorian attire. A beautiful woman named Lady Feculence appears and starts to flirt with him, showing him a solid portion of bare ankle. She looks a bit like an olden times Annika Rice. Naturally, things progress and Ash closes his eyes and leans in for a kiss. As he does... He feels the whoosh of wind in his luxuriant hair and opens his eyes to see that he is falling from a plane without a parachute. He braces himself for fatal impact, but just as he's about to slam into the ground, he jolts and finds himself sitting in front of a chalkboard in a classroom, naked as a politician on erection night. <laughs> erection night or election night? I think he said so, erection A little bit night. of Japanese humour uh, there for you. Oh! <laughs> By now, Ash is convinced that this is all just a crazy dream. A teacher appears and tells him to sit up straight and recite the words on the board. Ash looks up and sees a passage entitled, The Only Way to Wake Up. He begins to read it, opening the portal and unleashing the demonic forces once more. Realising his grave error, Ash starts to smash his head against the board. As it cracks open, the screen fades to black, and the sound of laughter and screams fills the air, signifying that the evil dead has claimed another victory. Unnecessarily bleak ending there. <laughs> well, I thought it was fitting. <laughs> Do you know what it reminded me of right away was, first of all, the Red Dwarf, where Crichton's infected by a virus and the dwarfers have to go into his uh, unconscious using a VR Wild West game. Oh, um, right, yeah. Yeah, gummy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then there's another VR episode in Series 7 where... So Lister goes into Pride and Prejudice world because he wants to shag all the characters from Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. And Crichton goes in with a tank and ruins his VR experience. But then you went to a freefall and that doesn't... Well, actually, Ace Rimmer does jump out of a World War II plane on the back of an alligator. It's all very, it's all very <laughs> Red Dwarf. <laughs> Unintentionally so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he actually asleep or is it like a waking dream? Is he moving through physical space, hallucinating? It's a waking dream, yeah. So you know when he's when they've got, they've got the the illusions going on around him in the house, he sees he's somewhere else, and these things he's not sure if things are real. So the spirits would manifest that around him. Okay, can they do that? Can now? They do. They manipulate the space that he's in in the, yeah. in the film, don't they? Yeah, guys are thinking <laughs> and blinking. <laughs> 
I guess there, there's several dream sequences, isn't there, where he suddenly wakes up. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, okay. and they're able to manifest things like his reflection in the mirror and all, all sorts of things. So mm. I think they've got mm. the power to do that. Mm. In fact, I'd I'd stake my, my points on it. <laughs> <laughs> and you have. Unwise. Very well. Then last goes me. Henrietta and the Deadites are far too heavy-handed in their dealings with Ash and the gang, because the key to unlocking Ashley J. Williams' soul lies not in his brain, but his heart. He has a tiny wee brain like a T-Rex, but a big heart, which is medically not a good thing to have. Or if you prefer, a heart of gold, which is also probably a bad thing to medically have. First things first, isolate Ash. They've taken out the bridge, but seem a bit blasé about any ramblers making the journey to the cabin. Send the rapey trees out to form a rapey border guard against any interlopers, thereby stopping Annie, Jake and Bobby Joe from reaching the cabin. Once they've been stopped, whiz the missing pages of the Necronomicon over to the cabin via the supernatural uber that is the evil force. Have the professor appear to just Ash and tell him to read the pages as before. Henrietta is yet to be deployed, however, and I see her in more of a Bugs Bunny dressed as a lady type role on this occasion. The cellar isn't padlocked closed, so she can just saunter out in her glittering sequin dress, wearing her striking rouge lippy, and with a Marilyn Monroe-style blonde wig atop her noodle. Ash first walks in on her, straightening her bosoms in front of the mirror. Why, you naughty, naughty boy! Henrietta mock chastises Ash before playfully slapping him on the keister. Onto the piano room she moves, playing a jaunty little piece and toosling her locks in between tickling the ivory. My, 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 I sure would appreciate an intelligent, learned, handsome man to read me some Latin. Nothing but nothing is sexier than a man who reads Latin, she says. Is that right? replies Ash, his eyes darting around the room to locate a text that might have some of that there Latin within. He finds the missing pages of the Necronomicon conveniently located on the countertop in the kitchenette next to a bit of the bubbly. He pours himself and Henrietta a glass each and pushes his swelling, medically bad heart back into place before re-entering the (laughs) piano room with the swag. Oh, lordy, you sweet boy. Read me some Latin before I simply boil over. Henrietta appears. Ash chugs down the bubbly in one go and recites the words Canda, Strata, Demondus, Nosferatus, etc. and opens the portal as in the film. As he flies off to 1300 AD through said portal, Henrietta looks at us viewers, winks, and simply says, Ain't I a stinker? Iris out. The heart, Osborne! First we attack his heart! <laughs> Funny enough, you said you were thinking along the same lines as me initially. I was thinking along the same lines as you initially, that you should go for his heart. But I was thinking more of uh, his poor girlfriend, uh, who comes back quite demonic. Mm-hmm. At the start, instead, could they have brought her back as you know herself and been quite nice and stuff? The reason that I didn't go for a plan like this, and now that <laughs> I've thought about it, the problem that exists with this is the same problem that plagues Ben's plan, and that I specifically said in mine that Ash uses Annie to read the manual to him, and the reason I did that is because she has to translate the pages of the Necronomicon. Uh, ph- it was written phonetically in mine on the board. 
Oh, I see. Same in mine. What, on the pages? Yeah. I see. <laughs> <laughs> the trees do it on the on the way, the rapey trees. Oh, right, okay, the trees. Um... <laughs> Their job title is rapey tree slash translator. <laughs> the other question I had is, are the pages written in Latin? Isn't in Army of Darkness, he says, Clartu Barata Nicto, which is the <laughs> alien language from <laughs> the day uh, the day still. The still. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm using that as shorthand for dead language. Yeah, yeah. So you reckon Ash would just start going on to the next woman after he's just decapitated his girlfriend? Oh, yeah. oh he's a cad, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's also mentally deranged now, isn't he? He's, he's taking a chainsaw to his uh, ex-girlfriend, so all bets are off. Taking a chainsaw to his what could have been his new girlfriend as well, old Pamela <laughs> Hand and her five daughters. The right hand is gone. Mm-hmm. So he can't look after himself. Yeah, that's interesting, because I was thinking along similar lines, gentle approach. <laughs> I wasn't thinking Henrietta dressed like a Bugs Bunny, sultry seductress. Yeah. <laughs> no amount of sequins is going to hide that body. Right. <laughs> yeah, does the plan fall apart there? Is Ted Raimi dressed as an old lady attractive enough to get you to, <laughs> to, get you to speak Latin to her? Was, yeah, it was Ash looking to get his end away that night, though. So would he just be like any holes of gold sort of mentality? <laughs> I guess maybe if you had to chainsaw your own girlfriend's head in two then you might possibly be a bit hornier than the average bloke i suppose he was probably thinking oh god what (laughs) what am i going to do tonight now that i've had to change to her in two yeah well when you you know when you're faced with your own mortality there's nothing more life-affirming than sweet sweet lovemaking that is true actually in in most films you know especially speed danger gets the old juices going doesn't it most blokes always <laughs> joke about splitting their girlfriend in two with something right but ash is actually i'm glad you said it because i've been thinking it for a few minutes and i was wondering whether i should say it <laughs> well there you go i've done it for you <laughs> well some friggin' diabolical plans there we had adam's uh caper with Shit. the south park critters uh, <laughs> using Deadeye Ash to raise the Antichrist. That's a very kind recap there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a kind person. Well done for trying to piece something together out of that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, my notes on your plan did just end without a conclusion because <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yes, my plan did, so that's fine. <laughs> Fucking hell. Awful. Then we had Countertacular's plan to trick Annie into reading the missing pages of the Book of the Dead by hiding them inside a Haynes manual, having sabotaged the Delta Oldsmobile. Ben's plan, which involved placing Ash into a waking dream uh, where he was naked in a classroom, read a book, entitled The Only Way to Wake Up, which was the missing pages of the Book of the Dead. And then Ash kills himself by bashing his own head in. (laughs) And my plan, which was uh, to have Henrietta do a Bugs Bunny-style saucy lady routine to get Ash to read the pages. So, with that, if we could all cast our votes, but not for yourselves, please, saucy babies. Oh, bugger. (sighs) You tried to 
about yourself again. Every bloody week. Whoops. Glad you had those reminders. <laughs> so, Adam, who did you vote for? Well, it was always going to be a three-horse race, even with me in the race. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have picked Ben. Ooh, one for Ben. And Ben, who have you voted for? Well, initially, I voted for myself, but then I just crossed it out <laughs> and I voted for Gaz. Isn't That's Ben Gaz oh. like a, a cream that you have when you've got arthritis? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or a town in, it's a t- town in Libya, isn't it, Ben Gaz? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, don't forget about Ben Gaz. Oh, that friggin' Hillary Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Cautacula, who have you voted for? Similar to Ben. Initially, I was thinking him, but then I went for Gaz. Row. And my vote went to Ben. Oh, oh it's a split. Split, split oh. just like Ash's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Two votes apiece. How apt. And with that, the leaderboard runs thusly. In first place with 15 points is Count Attacula. And in joint second place with 11 points each are Adam, Ben, and me. Wow. Jesus, Teddy fucking Christ. Can you believe it? Can't Adam and Eve it? On our anniversary and just over halfway through season three, isn't that a great place to be in? Uh, I should care, okay. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, Cartacular. I wouldn't yeah. want to be anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Except maybe first on 15 points. The wolf climbing the hill <laughs> is hungrier than the wolf on top of the hill. That's what I'll say to you, you three. Yeah, apparently. You have always had a good appetite. Yeah, but uh, the wolf on the top of the hill, if he wants the food, it's there. and that about does it for another wonderful week but fear not we shall return for another set of scorching schemes next week adam will have the pleasure of hosting the podcast with his choice of film so in the immortal words of delia smith let's be having you i'm a cop you idiot Next week, we shall be watching Last Action Hero. Hey, he's, uh, obviously willing that into the world with mentioning, bringing it pumping iron there. Yeah. Arnold. <laughs> Channeling it, the Arnold into the room. Just before we get the heck out of here, I have a recommendation for our listeners right now of Best Friend Reviews, the podcast where Kelly and James review both new and classic feature films plus beers and decide whether or not they are indeed best friend approved. Pay them a visit in the BFHQ or Bafuck if you like what we do and give best friend reviews a listen. And most importantly, join us next week as we discuss Arnold Schwarzenegger and John McTiernan's crazy caper last action hero. That would be wonderful. Until then, remember, everything will be alright in the end, and... If it isn't all right, then it isn't the end. Dead by dawn. <laughs> Have you ever put like the tip of your, your winky in the hole in the DVD? That's how much you love it. Try to squeeze it yeah. through and then go, I've got it stuck. I've got it stuck. Everybody's gone to bed now.
apart from the dog. <laughs> she's asleep. Oh, when the cats are away, the mice will play. Shame you haven't got the uh, the Evil Dead Book of the Dead edition that I had because it had like a quite oh, a squishy yeah. mouth. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell! <laughs> oh, that smelled of linger though. Jesus. Oh yeah, it stank, didn't it? <laughs> wow. Was it like cheap latex? Yeah, yeah really rubbery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cheap latex sounds like my ex girlfriend. He pours himself and Henrietta a glass. Hang on. He pours himself and Henrietta a glass each and pushes his smelling. Smelling? (laughs) (laughs) 